Five suspects are called into police headquarters for questioning. They give the following statements. A. One of the five of us is lying. B. Two of the five of us are lying. C. I know these guys, and three of the five of us are lying. D. Don't listen to a word they say. Out of the five of us, four are lying. E. All five of us are dirty, rotten liars. The police only want to release the suspects who are telling the truth. How many people should they let go? Alex, would you like to take a guess at this? They should let everyone go. That's incorrect, Alex. Oh. Every suspect accused a different number of people. If anyone was telling the truth, it had to be one suspect, no more or less. The only suspect whose statement fits that condition is D. Looks like he's a free man now. The riddle comes courtesy of the Nintendo DS puzzle game Professor Layton in the Curious Village, whose puzzles were developed by Akira Tago and serves as a warm-up for the riddle regarding the personnel listing of this week's song. In April of 1968, Scottish singer-songwriter Donovan recorded a song inspired by his time studying transcendental meditation with the Beatles in Rishikesh, India. The song, which hit number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 4 on the UK Singles Chart, features vocals, guitar, drum, bass, and the tambora, an Indian stringed bass instrument gifted to Donovan by none other than George Harrison. The riddle is this. Who played guitar on this track, and who played drums? The facts are these. The booklet for the 1992 double CD lists Alan Holdsworth and Jimmy Page as playing the electric guitar. John Bonham and Clem Catini are credited with drums. John Paul Jones is credited with arrangements and bass. In an interview, Jones confirms that both Bonham and Catini played drums, but credits an Alan Parker with guitar. Drummer Catini confirms Jones' confirmation, but later tells Song Facts, quote, John Paul Jones told me this was recorded two years before he met John Bonham, and he only ever used me on his sessions. In fact, we worked together in Lulu's band for two years. Also at the time, I did a lot of work for Mickey Most, who was the producer. In 2005, Donovan's autobiography is published. In it, the man claims that it was Page and an Alan Holsworth, not Holdsworth, nor Parker, that played guitar on the track. The identity of this Holdsworth character, likely a misspelling of Holdsworth, is further confused by the fact that Donovan claims that this Holdsworth played in a band that, in fact, Alan Parker had played in. In 2008, Donovan changes his story and goes on record saying it is just Page playing electric guitar on the track. However, he later changes his tune again. In 2013, Donovan contradicts Jones's statement by claiming that both he and Jones agree that it was Alan Holdsworth playing guitar on the track. He further contradicts Jones by denying the presence of Bonham on the drums. As if the waters couldn't be muddy enough, audio engineer Eddie Kramer pipes up to say that Page was present at the recording, but Bonham was not. The Jimmy Page website lists Donovan's hit single as one of the many tracks that legendary Led Zeppelin guitarist has played on. However, Page himself is pretty sure it's not him. Quote, I know it's rumored that I played on that, but I didn't. I heard about this story actually when I was in the USA, and what the story was, and it's very true, that they had Jeff Beck go in, and Jeff Beck played on it, and the producer decided to wipe the track, and Donovan had asked for me to do it, but of course I wasn't there, and they had a guitarist, he basically filled, you know, he went into the session, I wouldn't say filled my shoes, but he went in the door and his name was Alan Parker. I mean, none of you even know of him, but anyways, he's the guy who played the guitar solo, so you know, as you say... Some people might have thought Beck did it, or me, but it was neither of us. But I think it was tragic that Beck got wiped off. That was absolutely crazy. They just decided that they didn't like what he did. And I mean, perish the thought, you know? Said Page. 
So the answer seems to be that Alan Parker played guitar and Bonham probably didn't play drums. And apparently nobody remembers Jeff Beck showing up. Not a satisfying conclusion for an overly complicated riddle, but hey, it sure makes for a great intro for a song about a guy who plays an instrument with a silly name. That's right, we're talking Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one's singing songs of love. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my roly-poly co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on, my man? Roly-poly, roly Just being roly-poly. Not a whole lot. Uh, Mother's Day's coming up. Planning Planning some things for that. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're out there making brunches, making some brunch with uh, with my siblings. You big brunch guy. You like brunches? Um, uh, brunch for me happens at the wrong time. Like I, mm. I like most brunch foods, but like I'm by the time other people seem to want to get around to brunch, I'm off to other things. Yeah, the brunch hours are like ten thirty to like noon. Yeah, uh, we're take. honestly we're we're starting at noon, which is a uh, a lot, but yeah, that's I mean, it's I lunch, right? It's, but it's brunch, it's breakfast, foods. lunch. Yeah, um, it's 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 not my brunch time, but you know you got to make it work for everyone. So you're gonna sneak in a light breakfast beforehand? I I I will. Yeah, I'll probably eat something. It's <laughs> it's like I normally eat breakfast and lunch, so I'm just gonna do that. Just do that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right on, Alex. Brunch man on the scene. Uh, you bring the theremin over. Are you gonna? <laughs> oh, we're having it at our pl- at uh, my place. Oh, perfect. So I don't have to bring it anywhere. Well, you just gotta wheel it down the stairs, maybe. Or... Yeah, carry it. Should get yeah, some wheels though. Maybe, yeah, you should get it on wheels. <laughs> Be a little easier to move around. Um, what else is going on with that theremin? <sighs> Not a whole lot, honestly. It's I kind of a much. kind of a busy week. I, uh, mm. Back in the office this week, still kind of working out how that's going to work with my schedule right it's not that much different but there's more commuting now so just got to remember how to actually do that (laughs) somebody who commutes most days sucks yeah it's not great although then now is like best time of year to do it because it's not wintry and oh yeah calgary weather wise you're you're in the the primo season Mm -hmm. fantastic alex making brunch your theremin's gathering dust um, hey, I mean, you can it, dust it, activate normally, a theremin. It move a lot. So sensitivity like, <laughs> depends if it's like metal dust, probably. Mm, so if you took you, it to like, like a metal shavings, or like a metal shop, or yeah, yeah, if you took it into like a machine shop, yeah, probably not the best place for it. But honestly, you probably don't want to take most instruments into a machine shop. Just get. Yeah, I would argue dirty. that's not a good spot for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, fantastic, Alex. We're talking about a song you chose today. Hurdy yep. Gurdy Man by by Donovan. Yep. Do you know much about Donovan besides this song Hurdy Gurdy Man? Um, I know a couple of his other songs. Like he's got some hits. I know like Sunshine Superman and mm-hmm. Catch the Wind. Um, probably one other that I'm forgetting. Uh, Season, Season of, of the, the Witch. Witch? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at his tops. Originally heard him on uh, billion dollar babies it's the first time i ever heard his name was in association with the alice cooper song okay uh which they do a duet on that 
Ah, uh, I think I first heard his name on a Frank Zappa track. Yeah, he gets. What does he get? They look like Donovan fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure means something. Probably just calling someone a hippie or something like that. Yeah, if you look at this picture of Donovan on Spotify on his artist page, he looks like exactly the kind of man who would sing and write a song called "Hurty Gurdy Man." Is it an old picture? Is it? Yeah, no, I mean that's. It's like if you go to his new, website, it's the same one. He looks like a fucking wizard with a guitar. Yeah, well, the guitar is like painted green. He's got lots of like flowing like robes on. Yeah, purple robes. He got a bit of a Joker vibe with that green guitar and yeah, the purple green, robes. Green and purple. Uh, and he's also like pretty associated with what I guess the Beatles would have been in the '60s as well. The sort of like psychedelia and like. Um, Indian or Hindu inspired uh, spirituality. Yeah, that, that Eastern influence. Um, yeah, he actually studied with the Beatles out there. In Rishikesh? With, That's right. Uh, what is it? Uh, Maharishi Mahesh? Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, which I, I love uh, looking up his Wikipedia page, like describes him as a guru and con man. <laughs> 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 I feel like you can only be one of those. I could be wrong. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I, I'm i not sure how, because, like, I was looking up, like, controversies, right, on the page, mm-hmm, right. Uh, character criticism, and it's, like, uh, the con man part isn't, like, totally settled, right? Like, it's he's an alleged con man, as far as I can tell. But also, he, like... um said don't have worldly possessions and also like when he died left like a several hundred million dollar estate kind of thing so it's like well somebody's got to hold on to this for everyone else right he definitely <laughs> made a lot of money off of what he did so oh for sure but i i don't know how settled the like con man thing is necessarily though i probably uh i would say the several million dollars in yeah. you know estate is kind of damning but evidence like, but like yeah i guess so because like if he really believed it all would he have done that you'd think no I don't Unless, know. like, like he was so hard out. Like, I could imagine him being like, I know if I put this money in the world even to do good, and this is a reach, this is a huge stretch, because I don't think this is true. He's like, right. I have to, to hoard all the money that comes to me to take it out of the system. Sure. But it's also like, you don't know with people. It's like, are they delusional? Or are they honest? Or are they lying? Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's hard to tell. Especially when, when they're you get into the dead realm and gone. The, the spiritual, yeah, and also when they're dead and gone. Yeah. It's, uh, yes, can't say much to his uh, purposes, but... But anyway, he's associated with, with Donovan and, and, I mean, uh, and the Beatles, of course. Um, I Yeah, that's the other thing. His targets, whether for spiritual teaching or for cons, either way right. you want to look at it. They're famous rich people. people. Yeah, rich and famous. So they're going to, you know, bring in the big bucks, but also get in publicity. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tough to say for sure, but yeah, he anyway. is he is uh like probably one of the more famous yogis. Yeah, and associated with this transcendental meditation. Mhm. TM, which is a big one for for cash cowing celebrities. It's very expensive to learn transcendental meditation. A lot of people swear by it though once they do it. Uh me too poor for that shit. Come on. <laughs> we don't got the cash to transcend. I just sit on a pillow in my apartment and breathe. Yeah. Sometimes I just lay down. I, st- I still breathe, though. Yeah, you still... Yeah, I, yeah. I lay down, I don't breathe, and... Stop breathing, and uh, just see what happens. 
doesn't usually last very long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he has a, like a lot of those real like hardcore spirituality hippie as- affiliations. Yes. Um. So to find out that this song was inspired by that time, there is like okay, yeah, it checks out. Like, like if you were to make fun of hippie like psychedelic rock, this song is the premium yeah. example of it. I think. <laughs> yeah. While absolutely. also being. Like, it's a premium example of the craft in both ways, of, like, the ridiculousness of it, and also just, like, it hits all the notes just right. It's well-made. Uh, I think it's a well-made song. Yeah, it's also kind of funny to me. Like, the story is he was given this tambura by George Harrison and, like, learned some scales or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was kind of like, hey, this sounds vaguely Celtic, and decided to talk about it as if it was a hurdy-gurdy, which it's not. Like, there's no hurdy-gurdy in this song. There, yeah, there's no hurdy-gurdy in the song Hurdy-Gurdy Man. Um, what is a hurdy-gurdy, Alex? It's a strange instrument. Um, it is. It's like, it looks kind of like a violin or a viola, and you, like, turn a crank, and then you push mm-hmm. down some keys, and it, like, plays, I think, groups of strings. Right. Um, but it's, like, old, like, I was looking up some of the history and it's like oh it either originated in europe or the middle east so it's like kind of that landmass area and it's been around in some form you know either a hurdy-gurdy or a precursor to a hurdy-gurdy for like probably over a thousand years so like it's a pretty old instrument yeah. especially which is impressive considering like the complexity of it of yeah, like there's a crank, a crank and there's keys and strings as opposed to like oh we stretched a skin over this wood and like we hit it like yeah. it's very uh not to disparage drums because there's some pretty complex drums out there too oh for sure but, but like for like a over a thousand years ago like between like post like middle ages you know Hmm. so yeah real interesting stuff i will say the hurdy-gurdy just name wise immediately calls to mind a crank operated like instrument like, <laughs> without even yeah. looking it up i was like probably a fucking crank involved here somewhere <laughs> yeah i'm not exactly sure why that happens but but yeah that's some, yeah um but so it's an interesting instrument but also does not feature in this song yeah, other than it's enough. what the character the hurdy-gurdy man is playing presumably yeah while he sings his song, his hurdy gurdy song. Yeah, he, which is just hurdy gurdy. It's just hurdy gurdy over and over again, <laughs> over and over again. Uh, With that, let's talk about these lyrics. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some lyrics. Um, um, there's not a yeah. ton of them. No, but it's it's count all how many times he said hurdy gurdy. Hurdy gurdy. Yeah. See if it's more than the best in Foo Fighters. <laughs> Honestly, it would give it a run for its money. For sure, it would. Especially, um, yeah. well, some versions go even harder. So That's right, because there is a bonus verse. We'll talk about it while we talk about the lyrics, because Genius lists it. But yeah. along with the tambora, George Harrison also wrote a verse for this song. Which, um, supposedly, the story is they wanted to I literally cut the song down to three minutes yeah. to fit on the single. And then he was like, okay, you can either have the verse or a guitar solo. And he was like, guitar solo. So got, got to do the guitar solo. So, but yeah, he played it, sang it live sometimes. Yeah, he sings it live sometimes. Um, wait, is Donovan still alive? Um, yes. Tight, right on. <laughs> 75. Not as, yeah. For some reason, I thought that's, he would be older than that. shockingly young, yeah. I think he was uh, pretty young when he started out. But to go Donovan. Um, 
so he opens like this. It's, it's like I was actually kind of surprised at how easy this one is to parse, given how like hippy dippy it is. Like, yeah, and sometimes about, those like mm. one songs that are really like rooted in spirituality are like all symbolism. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the fuck? But this is like, here's a story about a thing that happened. It's yeah. just kind of bizarre. It's kind of kind bizarre, of. and it's it, it, it like you read about it, like what his inspiration was, and you go, "Oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah I can see." But that compared here. to like Cosmic Dancer, it doesn't exactly. have as many layers. <laughs> no, certainly not. But it begins like this: Thrown like a star in my vast sleep, I open my eyes to take a peep to find that I was by the sea, me gazing with tranquility. Yeah, dude takes a nap and is a nap. <laughs> and is transported and to a, a bizarre reality. Um, yeah. But also, like when you're talking about this sort of like um, mind opening, you often talk about in terms of awakening. So, right, his vast sleep is probably just his state of being before having his mind opened or whatever. That that could very well be it. So his vast sleep is simply his life to this point. Yeah, or it could be just like the the nature of awakening is such a like an ethereal thing that he's comparing it to a dream state in that sense as well. It's like, yeah. whoa, it's crazy. Yeah, and I was also thinking like just in terms of the imagery of like meditation, it's generally mm-hmm. you are relaxed and still with your eyes closed. So it's like right. I'm potentially like, oh, I was meditating and then like I passed into some other reality. So I had to like open my eyes to check. Not necessarily your physical eyes, right? It's your third eye, bro. Yeah. Although he's third, third and fourth by the sound. Yeah, he's got two eyes open up there. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and he finds himself in a peaceful place. So it's not like, you, you know, being thrown like a star. That's vast, crazy speeds and far out. Yeah. He finds himself in a tranquil space. He's like, okay, I'm somewhere strange, but it is good. It's tranquil. It's fine. Um, and of course, then, it was then that the hurdy-gurdy man, when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love. Then, when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love. Yeah, so there's this character, this hurdy-gurdy man, which, I mean, the comments is affiliated with a traveling minstrel, which makes sense. I mean, he's definitely thinking in terms of... um. Like, he called it, like, Gaelic rock or something like that. Right. So he's thinking in terms of, like, European, fairly European music. Um, And, you know, this idea of a traveling minstrel or whatever. But also this concept, which, I mean, this is the late 60s, so it's very much like peace and love hippies. Right. I mean, that's, it's a very simple message. And, you know, that's what the hurdy-gurdy man is bringing. He's bringing this idea if this was a david bowie song it would probably be an alien because he's a little bit more sci-fi oriented oh yeah 100 percent. and if i was thinking of bruce springsteen's blinded by the light where he talks about some far out preacher from the east i think that's true it might be the west oh um, yeah preacher and, from yeah. the east yeah and that the same character because i think that preacher is like a musician of i think it's bob dylan isn't it <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> uh but yeah so it's kind of the same thing here it's like a musician with a message basically it's he's more a preacher than he is a, like a like a hurdy gurdy man again like yeah hurdy gurdy in this song but he's like he's bringing his message through song he's mm-hmm. just singing about love which is kind of a description of Donovan right like <laughs> yeah he uh, later goes on to say in his live versions that the Beatles were the hurdy gurdy men and he says I'm the hurdy gurdy right. man so he's uh, we're all hurdy gurdy men we're all hurdy not not necessarily all of us but it's people who preach this. Because it's about the cycle, as we'll come into in verse two here, after we talk about the great post-chorus here. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy gurdy. He's saying, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy gurdy. He's saying, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy gurdy. Do you remember this a long time ago? Um, in our in the airplane over the sea episode, yes. Uh, Nick like referenced this song, and we like did not know what he was talking about. I I knew the song. Okay, I I didn't like know the line. Okay. I was familiar with the. I think I had probably heard the name of the song, and he was no, just talking about, and I like didn't know what to make of it. Okay, that was that was a great bit. He uh yeah. he pretended to play a hurdy gurdy, and and again didn't know what a hurdy gurdy was, but I knew it was crank operated, and yeah. so like so did he like he did the little hand crank. Uh, shout out to Nick McPhail. Look him up on social media. I don't know if he's doing anything on there. I haven't <laughs> talked to him for several years. Yeah, that uh, was in your parents' basement. That was in my parents' basement. Great guy. Uh, great bit. Yeah, I thought about that like all week. I was like, what a good bit. <laughs> so we had him rewind. Oh, it was good. It was good shit. Um, yeah, but this part is funny. It's He just chants hurdy-gurdy uh, to talk about the meaning of it, I guess. Again, this is transcendental meditation. Another thing that comes up often in these spiritual practices is like a chant or... There's another word, a mantra. Mantra, yeah. Something, and this is it. Simple nonsense. and. And or in Zen, they do Zen koans, which are different. They're kind of like riddles, but not really. And oh, yeah, uh, I don't know any about anything about any of this stuff. Oh, that's um, I could I could tell you more about that. I'll leave it for now. But these this something as simple as this that con- contains greater truth in it, enlightenment, as it were, plays in line with all of what I know at least about this sort of Eastern spirituality. And also, it's funny because he says hurdy gurdy a bunch. He does the hurdy gurdy a lot, which is very silly. Yeah. I mostly remember this bit from some video of like a, a hedgehog getting his belly rubbed and it just plays this. That's just on repeat? <laughs> yeah. It's just like hurdy gurdy and the hedgehog's having a good time. Okay. All right. Haven't seen that either. Apparently, I'm not immersed in hurdy gurdy culture. It's crazy because hurdy gurdy man appears in like a thousand different things. Like the, the references page is. 1994 film Dumber and Dumber, which is one of the cover versions used there. Yeah. Um, the 1996 uh, film Sleepers, the 20, 2001 film L.I.E., which spells lie. The 2002 independent <laughs> film Spun. The 2005 film Edison. The 2006 film Man of the Year. The 2006 film Bobby. The 2007 film Zodiac. The 2011 German TV melodrama. I'm not going to say that name, but it translates to Family Secrets. The 2012 Fringe episode. The 2013 horror film The Conjuring. The 2016 film Milton's Secret. The 2017 Beyond episode Pilot, which is the name of the first episode. Episode, believe it or not. Wow. The 2018 TV fantasy drama Britannia. The 2018 film Anna- American Animals. The 2018 Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode Safe House. The 2018 Chilling Adventures of Sabrina episode. The 2018, 2018 the cool was a big Kids year episode. for this song. Big, wow. big hurdy-gurdy man year. 2019 film The Best of Enemies. The 2021 Tort Krimi Borowski Undergutmensch. I got tricked. I don't know what any of those words mean. I, yeah. That is German TV of some kind. I the mean, one probably Pam means and Tommy me. episode. I love you, Tommy. That's the oh. second episode of Pam and Tommy. I don't know what that show is, but oh, it's yeah. Pamela Anderson and and Tommy. Um, uh, Tommy uh, Lee. <laughs> Lee. That's the one. <laughs> um. Yeah. But so yeah, huge in pop culture. I missed all of those references. I know it from like a vine with a hedgehog in it, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently only know it from a reference from from Nick. Great reference again. Shout out Nick. Let's move on to verse two. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about some more. 
Which is, uh, yeah, so histories of ages past, unenlightened shadows cast, down through all eternity, the crying of humanity. Think more about, like, the veil being lifted. Like, he's seeing, he's seeing all of time, kind of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's transcending. That also sort of happens in uh, 2112. Sort oh, yeah. of, uh, by Rush, where there's a dream sequence and he like sees another civilization that like allows art. And he's like, hey, this is pretty great. So this isn't quite that, but he does see like history. Yes. Um, he does see history. So yeah, he's seeing time unfold and he's kind of seeing that the, the root of suffering is, the, is unenlightenment. Unenlightened shadows cast down through all eternity the crying of humanity. Pretty clear. Because they're casting the shadows. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and he's and so because what we're gonna uh, what we end up looking at is the cyclical nature of unenlightenment. And like all shadows are unenlightened, that's how they become shadows. That's because there's no fucking light on. There's no enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, it's a cycle of unenlightenment. Then a dude comes around. Yeah, you know, a hurdy gurdy man. So that's where the chorus. He says it is then when the hurdy gurdy man. Comes singing songs of life, love. Yeah. Then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love, the hurdy gurdy man is kind of like a savior figure. Mm-hmm. Jesus esque. Jesus esque. He's preaching enlightenment. He's he's bringing people out of the darkness of the unenlightened shadows. And, and I think that was, I mean, mm-hmm. part of it's kind of like new new age spirituality, right? It's not tied to a specific religion necessarily, but it takes bits from from yeah. various. It's, um, it's like the, the, you know, the suicide of religions. If they were all on a soda machine, you just you get a little bit of each. And the what? Up. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what you get? Like a soda uh, fountain. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think there's other names for it. Mud water, maybe something like that. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. No, it's because you're a grown man, Alex. <laughs> um... But... But yeah, yeah there's no this, specific religion or creed. And to, not to that there in. aren't other religions with savior figures just no for sure the most immediate one most of them don't play a hurdy-gurdy though that i know of and yeah like again making the savior character a musician speaks to hippie culture as well we really thought yeah. music was gonna Musical save us back save the then. World. this is like the exact like type of music you mentioned david bowie earlier this is like what he criticized in uh like ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars <laughs> Like all the young dudes, which is from that era, not from that album, but having talks like about a, like the disillusionment of the figure. '60s idea of yeah. like music saving us. Yeah, although he also, um, like he would paint on the third eye. And stuff. Oh yeah, he he loved that shit and grew so, up in it. Yeah. But I mean, it's, he also acknowledged. I think acknowledged the failure of it. Yeah. That was what the seven early seventies were about, as I understand. That's as I understand it, exclusively uh, from listening from, to one David Bowie song. Uh, I, yeah, books, man, book. I should say. <laughs> Shut up, Alex. Books. <laughs> what is this a podcast for nerds? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's good. Uh, what? Yeah, okay. The seventies, but we're really here to talk about the post course again. No, I'm kidding. Um, is that? That's it for like the regular verses and and then you get the the like the it's the George Harrison verse which really ties a bow on everything but it's not included in the, the original studio recording but it goes like this when truth gets very deep beneath a thousand years of sleep well time demands a turn around and once again the truth is found 
So when we get so far up our own asses and so far away from the path of enlightenment, naturally, time will course correct us. A hurdy-gurdy man will emerge and say, Also, there's a roly-poly man in the outro. There is a roly-poly man. I don't really know what to make of that, quite frankly. Maybe it's he just like a like a... A disciple, kind of? Like, oh, now there's two of them? Yeah, either a disciple or to sort of decentralize the the savior uh, metaphor, right? So it's not just, like, one guy who's going to save us. It's like, we're going to It could as well be the roly-poly man, right? It could be anybody. It's just a man singing songs of love at the end of the day. Yeah. Whether it's roly-poly or hurdy-gurdy. It's about about the message of love more so than the The hurdy-gurdy man specifically. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's really it. So it's about the cycles of unenlightenment and enlightenment. Yeah, which I guess I know. What is it? Like the third age or whatever? No, that's the Lord of the Rings. You talk about the age of Aquarius, the age, brother. Yeah, age of Aquarius stuff. You know, like we're gonna pass into an age of enlightenment, and maybe there'll be magic. And I think, I mean, we played a bit of Shadowrun back in the day, so that's kind of what that is based on too. Oh yeah, about like something's gonna change, and also things will be very different when it happens yeah except that's an example of things just getting shittier because it's like now there's more ways to be racist also like corporations have ruined the earth and there's dragons but there's magic so that's cool there's magic so that's kind of neat and also technology and also magi technology that's right a little bit of that that fusion Anyway, I'm getting off the tracks a little bit. Way off the tracks But it's vaguely related to a concept that, I mean, there's a song, Age of Aquarius, right? Yes. Age of Aquarius is one of those things that's been promised since, like, at least the 60s, if not way earlier. I think, yeah, I think earlier, but yeah, it's been a long time. People are like, it's just around the corner, brother, we're gonna fucking all get enlightened. And it's like, all right, well, I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Ah, but it can't happen until we all get enlightened. It's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing, I think. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that. You could be wrong. Something about star positions. Anyway, I don't know anything else about it. I don't know much, Alex, but I do know this. Uh, John Paul Jones played bass on this, and he's the bassist for (laughs) Led Zeppelin. (laughs) He is, and allegedly other members of Led Zeppelin, but you've told the story already. More detail than I knew it, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's just insane reading yeah. it. And I was like, okay, sh- surely there will be a conclusion to who was in a studio in 1968. Like, yeah, people, like, I think money exchanged hands. Like, people should know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing. Someone has the receipts. Like, John Paul Jones booked them. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone was probably pretty stoned. That's so, for sure true, especially for this recording. Yeah. <laughs> probably a dense smoke in the studio, couldn't even see anybody else. Yeah. So, there's probably not a ton of memory of the late 60s in that way. It's got to suck to be Alan Parker, who is just... <laughs> He's just like some other guy. He's <laughs> just like holding it down like some British musician. He's just, he does a good job yeah. on this song. Yeah. Got paid to do his thing, and everyone's like... Oh, everyone thinks it's a more famous guy. And then you're reading that quote where he's like, I mean, he does a pretty good job. Maybe not as good as I would have done, but he does a pretty good job. <laughs> it's like, job. hey, man, I'm just doing my job here, all right? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Page, simmer down. You have a whole catalog of songs. Yeah. <laughs> You don't need Hurdy Gurdy Man as well, yeah, which you, you maybe did play on, yeah, but probably not. Probably not. 
Well, good job, Alan. But there are two guitars. There are two guitars. Tell me about them, Alex. Um, actually, three guitars. Wow. I think because there's like, like it it comes in with uh, like acoustic guitar, right? Yeah. Well, actually, that's Donovan playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. Which but, uh, I mean, there's a video too. You can see him playing it. Yeah, a very but tame music. He might show. play the guitar solo, but I don't know why I think that. He probably doesn't. didn't. Probably didn't. Guitar solo is electric, and it was either played by Jimmy Page, Alan Holdsworth, Alan Hallsworth, <laughs> Alan Parker, or Jeff Beck, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Jeff Beck because he's in this too. That was the craziest thing. He's like, Jimmy's like, let me clear the air on this. Everybody thinks Jeff Beck played it. I was like, nobody thought that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) What a time. What a time. Crazy. Um, Yeah, so it opens with this guitar and him doing this like... (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of like buzzes at the start. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's humming, but with his mouth open. Yeah, it's almost like a... It's, yeah, it's a strange way of like half it's like humming. He's trying to whistle, but it doesn't work, so he just kind of does his like yeah, makes a nah like, sound. He's trying to sound like the exhalation noise onto a harmonica without like the <laughs> the reward of the notes that come with blowing on a harmonica. Yeah. Uh, but he's yeah, he's doing that, and then he's like he's he's definitely strumming. Yeah, he's it's a it's a very chill song, um, which is funny because it's also apparently like super hard rock by uh, by like Donovan standards. Standards of the time. I mean, once the guitar comes in, it's pretty crunchy. Yeah, like yeah, it's, it's the quality of tone and then just the 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 looseness of the drums to just fucking roll. Like yeah. a lot of it is just a drum rolling. It is a lot of drum rolling. Even one of the sources I looked up. Well, it wasn't a source. One of the things I saw online was just a comment from a person that was like, no way, that's John Bonham, man. He wouldn't do drum rolls like that. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> that's what we need. More opinions on this random guy can tell track. it's not John Bonham. Uh, apparently. Um, plus the, the tambura, which comes in later on in the chorus, like the end of the chorus. Yeah. Uh, to play that. I mean, it sounds to me very similar to like a sitar. Yeah. It's in the same neighborhood at least. Of um, Yeah, but it's got like a it's got that specific like eastern twang. You get it at like the 14 second mark. Oh, four I think the 4 second mark. Or? I I'm hang on, my timer screwed up on me. No, it's got to be 14. Yeah. Spotify's been doing weird stuff with the times. Yeah, lately. hang on. Like, change songs and come back to fix it. That's the only way I can figure it out. I can make it work. Okay, I'm changing songs. I'm going back. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, like... Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. This is great radio. Hang on. (laughs) Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, like 34 seconds. All right. Yeah, you can really hear it ring. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of rounded. Yeah. you know um excuse me but really that's the only time it comes in yeah tambura so it's like it definitely flavors the song but a lot of it is that really crunchy kind of uh kind of crunchy distorted guitar and there's two guitars so there's like a rhythm that plays lower and then very similar crunchy sound on a higher guitar that's playing more of a melody 
Yeah. And you Lead, particularly get that like crunchy guitar on the, the end of the chorus. Because on guess, the first chorus, yeah. it does the like, you get a very like definitive stop, which is in itself is like a hard rock move, like a real like sting stop. And we all go, oh, what's happening? And then, <laughs> and then it starts up again. And then the next time the chorus comes around, it, of course, leads straight into the guitar solo. And actually, there's one other thing I forgot to mention. Mention it. So this is happens early on, and a lot of the uh, covers emulate it in some way or another. But his voice, I don't know if his voice, I would say, is modulated, or mm-hmm. if he is modulated, like, there's like a uh, like wavering yeah. effect on his voice. I don't know if he's doing that or if that's being done to his voice. But it only happens like at the start. Yeah. So like in the first verse? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, in the first verse. <laughs> I so I don't know. If, it himself. Yeah, it seems like he is, right? Um, but that is not true of some later versions. Um, but that's another thing that happens at the start. Yeah, and his like overall his voice on this is like that like that silent soft kind of like hippie voice. Yeah. Actually, the other thing about that sound, I would associate it with like a rotary sound. Like if you literally put a spinning thing in a speaker or whatever. Yeah. Like which uh, is also kind of like a hurdy-gurdy which you crank. So there's a lot of like rotational. Right. Is it a Hammond organ that has the like yeah has the yeah. like actual gears that spin yeah. i think that's hammond organ um or like there's like rotary amps or speakers or whatever i know i think like jack white used one in distill mm. something anyway they get used and they make that kind of sound they sure fucking do don't they yeah sure do man they sure do uh what else is going on yeah you've talked about the descending thing that oh no this was before we were recording there's a descending sound that's what the crunchy guitar chords are doing yeah they're descending yeah and they are just like just chords like like to be clear to anyone who for some reason can't listen to hurdy gurdy man like it's not like this guitar is going hard it's just doing like chords (laughs) yeah yeah not that fast either and then yeah they sort of i mean the the volume builds but also like the vocals kind of move shift left yeah as they go um but i wasn't sure it might just be like all right to middle but it seemed like kind of right to kind of left yeah yeah i'm not sure what to make of that it's like it's it's louder in the left. Yeah, it's still in the right. It's weird. Yeah, but that's part of uh, yeah, and they're kind of layering things because they actually fill it out pretty good. Yeah, especially with that tambura sound when it comes in. Tambura. Oh yeah, that tambura, and it's a great transition into what Genius calls the post-chorus. Um, hey, good, then, hey, yeah, just those, those drum fills are just fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> lots of those little drum fills. Uh, not being like super fast or anything, but you know, very steady. Yeah, the, the slowness of the song allows you to kind of take in 
what like in a faster paced song would be almost like blinding. You'd be like, whoa, they're like it's very exciting that these roles are happening, but I can't process them as well. Whereas here it's yeah, you get to see it beat by beat, really. Yeah, it's very it's call it atmospheric in that yeah. way. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's like the outro is just building on everything. This is a song that grows fatter, not like more intense, really. It just like expands the amount of sounds in there. Like how your mind is expanding by listening to it, man. That's right, brother. Open and up or... your third ear. <laughs> and listen. <laughs> uh, and there's a guitar solo. Yeah, guitar solo's good. It's got that it's got that same crunchy sound to it. Is it as good as Again, like not Jimmy super Page actually the fucking guitar solo? Another <laughs> thing that I I don't know if you mentioned this earlier. Supposedly mm-hmm. Donovan was originally wanting to give this song to uh Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. So I can see some of that. There's like some heaviness to it if you had Hendrix in your mind. It's, I mean it's not exactly Hendrix, but I can see how if you wanted like Hendrix light, this is where you would get to. Yeah, I can yeah, I could see how if you gave this to Hendrix, you would get the sound you were looking for. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah, so he like originally wrote this for a band called Hurdy Gurdy. Ah. Uh, and then, so it was just called Man for them. <laughs> it's called Man. Some dude showed up singing songs of love. <laughs> and then he, so he wrote it for them, and then like something fell apart in their relationship because he was going to produce for this band. Um, and then he was like, "Okay, I've got this song." And I think Mickle Mickle Most also told him that's the uh, Mickey Most. Maybe it's, I, don't know, I think I see Mickey Most. There? Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't know. Somebody put an L in this one. Fucking these hacks, Mickey Most. <laughs> Uh, he's like, no, you got to keep this song. And he's like, all right, but I want Jimi Hendrix on it. And Jimi Hendrix was, I think, just unavailable. And he's like, okay, I want Jimmy Page on it. And then Jimmy Page is unavailable. He's like, he's like uh, is there no Jimmy that will play this guitar for me? <laughs> for fuck's sake. Can I get an Allen? <laughs> Thank you. Fuck. But yeah, I could see this. This, And it's of course, it's also just of the era. But yeah, if you're looking for that hard rock hippie sound, like the Jimi Hendrix style is the perfect fit. Yeah. I wonder what, I mean, Jimi Hendrix certainly had his share of like spacey hippie stuff. Oh, yeah. So I think it would have fit. Would have been interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there's not like a live Jimi Hendrix version, but I guess, uh, when did the song come out? 68. 68. wasn't around like that. I think if he had been around a little longer, he probably would have got around to it. Probably. He was on a pretty tight schedule, yeah. drug-wise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's it. But, like, it goes on a fade-out. The outro, the outro is, like, what you'd expect. It's a bit of, like, soloing while the refrain goes on. I say it's what you'd expect. Maybe some people don't expect that. Yeah, I mean... It's another, yeah, outro part. Lots of hurdy-gurdies, some roly-polies, lots of drum fills. Yeah. And then you get that crunchy guitar going. And, and in the kind of, like, psychedelic rock style, really builds and fills it out and does yeah. some real wailing. But yeah, it's a lot harsher than, like, catch, try and catch the wind. Oh, yeah. For a dawn of an example, or anything else, except perhaps Billion Dollar Babies, which is a collaboration with Alice Cooper. So. It's funny because it is like harder than his other songs, but it's also such a like 
fucking burnout song. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> like sit around and smoke weed, dude. And it's like, all yeah, right. Yeah, like your guitar is plugged into a heavy amp, but like you're just kind of chilling. Exactly. You can sit down and play a guitar. That sounds heavy. Like, even the way he says hurdy-gurdy, like, we'll have some other versions where they really enunciate hurdy-gurdy. And his is just like... Yeah, it definitely... I mean, he was probably part of, like, what created the idea of what hippies were, you know? Oh, for sure. Like, it's this one. So, like, is, this uh, is part of that. This is like, like a tentpole of the movement. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Hurdy Gurdy Man. We talked briefly. There's a music video. It's really just him in a studio playing guitar and sitting yeah, on stage. Yeah, you don't see any other artists or anything. No. But you do hear other artists play this version because that's why it's on Cover Me. And we're going to talk about those versions. That's what Start- you're here for. That's what you're here for. You don't even give a fuck about Donovan's Hurdy Gurdy Man. You're here to hear Eartha Kitt's 1970 Kit. version of a Hurdy Gurdy Man. Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy he sang. Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy he sang. Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy. Eartha Kitt, interesting uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly. The most exciting woman in the world? According to Orson Welles. Um, <laughs> whose so birthday that, was yesterday. Oh, well, H-B-D-O-W. H-B-D-O-W. H-B-O-W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so she's an American singer, actress, comedian, dancer, an activist. Uh, she's known for being Catwoman uh, in the Batman TV show. Yeah. After uh, Julie Newmar's time as Catwoman. Uh, she was also the villain in Emperor's New Groove. Isma, As well as in the Emperor's New Groove animated TV show, she reprised her role for the television production. Which is pretty cool. Um, and she won, like, daytime Emmys for it. She's also pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> which, I think they got a couple. Like, I think, like, James Woods played... James Wood or Woods? I don't know. Um, like, he was also... He was, um, Hades in the... Oh yeah, and then and then he came back. Hercules series. Anyway, um, but she's cooler than he is. She's pretty so. cool. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a bigger deal. Um, um yeah. been around longer. You know, she's got a really interesting voice too. It's like a bit raspy and kind of high. I mean, if raspy. you know Isma, it's like that, but she's uh like a few decades younger in this, so she sounds a little younger. Yeah, and like clearly like some classical theater training. Yeah, this is one that really enunciates it for sure. Yeah. Hurdy gurdy. Really like from the thing and things. Um, she does a really good whisper line of uh shit, what is it? On um, the crying of humanity in the second verse. The crying of humanity. Uh yeah, so it opens with a big electric guitar chord. Um there's some acoustic <sighs> guitar in the mix here as well. Yeah, I'd say in terms of like the arrangement, it's more what I would consider like standard in terms of pop, particularly in 1970. Yeah, get, there's like it's a, still mostly guitars, but like you get some strings in there. There's a lot of backup singers, right? Yeah, um, but I think it still uses like the kind of more psychedelic soundscape pretty effectively. Like I yeah. don't think it sounds standard, even though it, the arrangement is more standard. 
for sure because it like it hugs pretty tight to the drum rolls which mm-hmm. I think provide a lot of that psychedelic feel and even the inclusion of a, an electric guitar in its prominence like brings it into that rock and rail, roll realm um, it also yeah. uh, there's more um, folk like you can hear the bass <laughs> yes uh, which is cool uh, I like the bass sound on this a lot more than I mean I you can't even barely hear the bass on the original so yeah it's a pretty simple bass it just kind of follows along with yeah. her uh vocals it's a bit plodding but yeah that's sometimes nice to hear um but yeah i mean that's what they kind of use to fill it out there's a and and i guess it's like drone sounds like there's a i say an accordion sound but it might be a chord organ because it feels like they're holding those notes too steady for too long to be right like bellows that you're moving with your hands but i i'm not really sure um, but it's something that, you know, is, is reed based. Yeah. So they do add, yeah, I wrote either an organ or an accordion, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, they have that in there to fill out the space, which yeah, also makes it more than just like a, like a pop mix. It's like, well, we're going to chuck in our own kind of strange instruments. And I think the other instrument people would think of when they think of a hurdy gurdy without knowing what it is, is an accordion. I mean, yeah, they both have an ability to make similar kind of drones, I think, in some way. Yeah, I think in my mind, like, a hurdy-gurdy was like an accordion with a hand crank on it. (laughs) (laughs) Hand crank instead of bellows, yeah. Yeah. Although they're quite different. They are quite different. Um, What I thought about this song is... I I like the way it's I say balanced and I don't mean sonically. Mm-hmm. I mean like energetically. Like cuz there are a lot of drone sounds but it does take some time to like ease off and give you a second to breathe so it's not like a constant drone. Yeah. So it's a little more palatable I think in that way cuz like you're right. particularly the beginning of verses where it kind of like just gives you a second to breathe and then like all right now we're back into it. Yeah, a lot of the versions we're going to talk about today kind of start hard and just stay there. Yeah. And it gets a little repetitive, but she's doing a good, like, low verses where we really focus on her whispers. And then just using even just the backing vocals where it's like, choruses are big. You can tell because we've got these, you know, these backing vocals punching it up. Like, that gives us some dynamics here. It keeps things interesting. Yeah. And her voice is pretty interesting, too. Like, oh, for sure. Like, I. I use standard as my first descriptor of this, but like, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think it's an outlandish cover. I think in terms no. of moves it makes, it's typically pretty safe, but it also makes smart moves within that. Like you've talked about, like it, it balances out the sections pretty well. Um, like she's got a cool voice, so that's just like a natural fit. Uh, and just the, even the difference from 68 to 70, you can tell that this is a newer song, even if just by two years. Right, yeah. There's maybe a, a little more money behind it, or more experience, or something, or just mm-hmm. yeah. And just um, well, just not the the 1960s psychedelic trappings. It might be more so that the the original has such a signature to it, right? Right. It's kind of trying to leave that behind a bit without, mm-hmm. yeah, turning into something a little different, more yeah, modern along, at the time. Along the things we kind of like and recognize, you know, those drum rolls are are I think pretty critical. So bringing them along is important. But, you know, we've taken out the tambora, we've subbed in strings and some organ or something, like, we're moving it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool little version, though. Alex, are you ready to talk about a band with a name? Oh, I sure am. <laughs> Do you want to say this name? It's a fun name. 
Um, sure, I'll throw it out. I think. Somebody, I'm like, is it... We're talking about the butthole surfers now. That's right. Well, we're going to skip over the Beastie Boys, because... Yeah, we, so there's a sample of this song in a Beastie Boys song called Car Thief. It's pretty small. Yeah, it's... Uh, they it's... say Hurdy Gurdy Man, and then they play, like, a drum fill from it. Yes, and that's Pretty apparently much. because uh, the the Beastie Boys, uh, Adam Horowitz, was uh, married to uh, Alex. What did you say the pronunciation on her name was? Um, uh, Ioni Sky. Ioni Sky. That is Donovan's daughter. So then he references Hurdy Gurdy Man. The lyrics being "Space cake cookies." I discover who I am. I'm a dusted old bummy, Hurdy Gurdy Man. And then the first drum break from the song plays. Yeah, so we thought maybe there was going to be more because, you know, it's interpolated, but it's fun to listen to anyway. It's fun to listen to. That song is mostly about doing drugs. Which yes. And at <laughs> not one so point, much about thieving cars. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's in keeping with the hurdy-gurdy man attitude. Fuck yeah, I'm, I'm doing drugs. <laughs> but um, yes, the butthole surfers. Yeah, butthole surfers, 1990. <laughs> A uh, San Antonio rock band formed in 1981. Uh, they didn't really get commercial success until 1996, so that's before this. So what I learned in my research here, Alex, is that their name wasn't initially Butthole Surfers. They kind of did a Jethro Tull thing, where it was a different name every show. <laughs> right. But they did have a song called Butthole Surfers. And then an announcer forgot the band name at one of the shows they were doing, whatever name they gave them that night. And he was like, oh, shit, here's the song, Butthole Surfers. And so <laughs> they came up, and they're like, well, that's the name now. All right. Yeah, it's very, I mean, this is a group... That gets pretty heavily associated with the 90s. And I think in terms of the zeitgeist of the time, they fit really well. But obviously, they were around for most of the 80s as well. Yeah. And because of that, they were pretty established by the time you know we get to this. Yes. And by the time they had any success at all, which was like Pepper, I think, was their single. Um, yeah. And as I understand, uh, it was... Basically, Kurt Cobain said, like, in an interview or something, that they were one of his favorite bands. And then suddenly, all, all these record guys were like, we gotta get the butthole surfers on the phone. Someone <laughs> get me the butthole surfers. Somebody get the butthole surfers on the line. We gotta put their, put their music out so we can make money like Nirvana, you know? So, that, as I understand, is their um, kind like of story of their success. And then, like, but I, I don't... They weren't really a pop group, right? No. So, <laughs> so they had they had a single, and that was pretty much it. Um, and then, of course, they were on movie soundtracks. Like you said, this is on the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. That's right. And then the Freaked soundtrack um, has two Butthole Surfers songs on it, and one song by Paul Leary, who's a member of the Butthole Surfers. So they're prominently featured on the Freaked soundtrack, which is an Alex Winters vehicle. Um, oh, yeah. Alex Winters, of course, also being uh, one of the leading roles in Bill and Ted, Tower, isn't he? Oh, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the yeah. one that's not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> that's right. Um, Butthole Surfer is truly a name ahead of its time if it was made in the <laughs> 80s. Because like, yeah. it is so 90s. Like Things that were big in the 90s. Surf? 
like surfing <laughs> oh yeah yeah and, and talking about like gross stuff yeah like, like pop dumb. punk talking about buttholes and stuff like yeah. that was it <laughs> butthole surfers yeah it fits real well and i'm but it, part of that was because they probably inspired that in the first place right that like, may well be it yeah. to some degree so it's the butthole surfers man they're tastemakers but, but the taste is a little questionable. Not that I dislike the butthole surfers. That was just a butthole joke. That was just a butthole joke. Um, Something, something, eating ass. Here we go, Alex. So they start this off sounding like Frank Sidebottom. You remember him? I do remember Frank Sidebottom. Yeah, they're very, they have like some pretty heavy vocal effects, I think, most of the time. And this is no exception. No exception. And they, they do the like modulation, but they kind of apply it to the whole song. Yes. It's like an effect, and he doesn't have to do the thing mm-hmm. the whole time. So, yeah, that's your opening bit. And then there's like an acoustic guitar in the back. Yeah, I was, honestly, like it starts kind of, I mean, it starts with the acoustic guitar, but it's like finger picked, right? Yeah. And then after that, it gets like much more like full and even chaotic. Um, yeah. So there's lots of effects on the guitar. It's very like distorted. And I think there's parts that are like reversed and like some harmonization effects going on in there. So there's a lot of effects and the vocals are heavily modulated throughout. Um, yeah. In but the there's a way- lot of different sounds. Like there's some synthy stuff. There's mm-hmm. uh there's a part, I think in the verse, like it kind of cuts down in the verse, but then they start playing this like cheap Casio sound. So it sounds like there's yeah. a Casio cello and like a flute sound as well. Yeah. So like there's a lot of sounds in this. Yeah, there is a lot like put into this. It's almost like with Alien Ant Farm Smooth Criminal, it was a real like Michael Jackson tribute, at least in the music video. Yeah. This mm-hmm. sonically is like a, a 60s tribute. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they bring in the the tambura sound. Yeah, and and they they just jump up the effects. So like, we're going bigger on the guitar. We're going big with some synth. They do they do go big. That's for sure. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's pretty close to like it's it's kind of what you would call an update track. Because it really is just like, what if we use newer instruments, threw on effects instead of doing our own vocal modulations like uh donovan does in the original yeah it's yeah it's like it's a bigger version mm-hmm. like they do that effect the whole time instead of just the beginning and then they bring in like more stuff and they have this organ thing that comes in at the end and a lot of it's very dense and very harsh mm-hmm. but i mean the original does have a lot of like pretty full sounding sections so it's just like more of that yeah more extreme and the 90s were nothing if not extreme. That's right. They were extreme as all, all get out. Um, yeah, so that's like, like it's really all there is to say about this version. A lot of the versions this week, honestly, are pretty safe. Like, there's no outlandish None of them go takes. crazy out there. Except maybe, like, kind of the next one, but even that okay. one. Okay, yeah. But I think this one works. Like, for me, it worked. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like I like the vocal effect. I thought that was a great choice. Yeah. That was neat, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sounds here. If you like sounds, if you like sounds, yeah. If you're you'll hear somebody who likes one. to go through and note sounds, you're like oh, there's a new sound, like yeah. what we do here. That was great for that. Yeah. Uh, it also is a music video, That's but correct. it's. Uh, I I, I thought it was just going to be tour shit. footage. I thought it was just going to be like tour footage, but it's mostly it is all like really grainy footage. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of like non sequitur. A lot of it, anyway. It's a lot of, like, dudes driving in cars 
It's a lot of sometimes the car is full of smoke. Um, there's this like wrestle man, this like plastic wrestling dude. It's used a lot. <laughs> Comes up a couple times. They show like a, a barbecue. They're barbecuing. I mean, they're from Texas. Um, so maybe that's related. I don't know. Uh, and they like burn the meat chicken or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, a belly button is prominently shown twice in the video and labeled. Labeled belly button. So you know button. it's a belly yeah. button. I uh, wonder there's if that's also meant foamy to be like, apple juice. Because it's like a butthole. Yeah. And then there's foamy apple juice. Which I don't know if that's. Is, that a, is it like beer? Maybe. Do you think is they it labeled joke? it because. <laughs> right, like MTV was like for like Hang a censor thing. Like you can't show alcohol, and they're like, "Oh no, it's foamy apple you, juice." You can't show booze, and you can't show buttholes. And they're like, well, "This is a belly button." They're like, "Oh, we'll show a belly button and and foamy apple juice." Yeah, uh, probably. Honestly, that sounds very um, believable. Time appro like age yeah, appropriate. Like appropriate for the era. Age yeah. era appropriate. <laughs> That's era, a better era. term. <laughs> sounds like something that would happen in the nineties. Yeah, it's truly this video itself is like music videos of the '90s. It's that homemade video vibe. It's just dudes pretty much chilling in a backyard and barbecuing, yeah, uh, eventually burning a, a WrestleMan in effigy. A guy's wearing a wig at one point. There's a dog we get to hang out with for a bit. We get some shots of them jamming inside. Yep, sometimes wearing masks, or at least one of them has a mask on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They're just kind of messing around. Clearly, not playing the song that is. They're clearly not playing. <laughs> that is happening. Well, oh, there's a toilet that moves around at some point. A lot of that, like, kind of stop motion style of movement. Yeah, like they had a person lying down. I think he spins or something. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, stop motion. So it just kind of seems like they're messing around with the camera. Yeah, and that's also like. It works for the vibe of the song, which is just like, hey, it's a little trippy, isn't it? Yeah. Look at this. Oh, you're tripping out. You're like, I guess I am. And that, yeah. the WrestleMan's on fire. Like the song vibe <laughs> combined with what I know about the band. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. That it's this would a, be the music video. It's, yeah, it's very on brand, as the kids like to say. It's, uh, everything's lined up. All the planets align on this. Uh, and maybe it's just because I was a child in the 90s, but it fills me with a sense of, like, warmth and comfort. I'm like, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those old, like, home movie style, um, that old home movie style filming is a little, little nostalgic. Yeah, buddy. Um, you know what isn't nostalgic? Bands from Japan, because I didn't grow up in Japan. So, Color <laughs> Filters, who we're talking about in 2002. <laughs> Yeah, Japanese group, electronic pop shoegaze, mm-hmm. is how I saw them described. Yes, um, they're from Tokyo. They started in 1996, just when the butthole surfers were taken off. And mainly consists of two people. We got Ryuji Suneyoshi, who is the composer, and Yuki Nishimura, who's on vocals. Yeah, and you can really feel that, like, duo nature, I think, because the song really is, there's a production side, and then there's a, the vocal side. Yes. Um, it, it, follows, a, yeah. it follows, like, the basic structure of, of the original. Mm-hmm. At least for most of it. Um, and then, or like half of it, and then it, but it kind of replaces everything, right? Because it really is that production. 
Yeah. You know, there's like a chime going on and lots of synths and like string synths in particular filling yeah, stuff out. Yeah, big synth fills. Which is a similar idea to the original, but it doesn't like play the drums or the bass or the guitar or anything. Yeah. It is like a more, I guess, synthetic space. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. For lack of a better word at the moment, but it's still playing in that realm of like, we're in a weird zone. Like, things are a little, little off here. Things are a little trippy, brother. Here's a vibraphone coming in after the first verse. Like, yeah, it does have that. It does have that a little bit off feeling to it. Um, Part of it might be just because there's, like, a foreign aspect to it for us. I don't know. Because definitely, like, like the vocals, for example, it's like a... I, I, didn't, I forget their names. Uh, that's Yuki Nishimura on uh, vocals. Yuki Nishimura uh, singing. And, like, she's singing pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty softly as well. And I guess the yes. soft part of it maybe adds to that. So it's a little like detached in that way. Yeah, and also due to her accent, like it in the same way that fucking Donovan sounds like he's stoned off his ass, like <laughs> she kind of just encapsulates that with an accent because she doesn't really say her It's like very soft pronunciations. Right. right. Um, I guess the other thing is in terms of how they actually handle it, the post chorus and the verses mm-hmm. are very similar and like kind of flow together. That's right. But they sort yeah. of split it in half other than that. So like when it does the um chorus, it's very like plodding. So like you in particular you get the bass and then there's like that vibraphone sound uh playing a little melody. So what they do is cuz the chorus is basically just some lines that get repeated two t- like twice. Get said twice. They say it once and then the rest of it is just this vibraphone or celesta or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you get that bump, bump, like, yeah, plodding sound. Yeah, real plodding. Yeah, there's that, like, vibraphone or Celesto, whatever it is. And then her, like, like radio-filtered voice going, Ha-da-ga-da, ha-da-ga-da, ha-da. Yeah, and then that comes back, like, with a vengeance in the back half of the song. Because once yeah, they get that's through their everything, outro. their outro is, like, half the song, basically. Um, yeah. And it's all, like... It's more like remix-esque because yeah. it sounds like they're just taking one line and looping it. Yeah, in that sense, for, for sure. And it like kind of pauses. Yeah, and it really emphasizes like the, the spaciness of the original, though, by, in this remixing kind of style. Because it's just yeah. like the back half is just the, the chant of hurdy-gurdy with like big synths around it and just yeah. like, miscellaneous percussion and things. It's kind of like a glassy bell type synth and like a beeping sound. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just those vocal loops. So it's got that going for it. Uh, I'd say like in terms of making it like kind of meditative, it's not super meditative, but it's definitely like has that repetition. You can kind of get lost in a trance. Yeah. Listening to it. So it doesn't have a lot of like droning instruments, but it kind of still fills that like droning role. With yeah, because like the patterns are very clear. Like even when it comes to the end, like there's that little synth that comes in after her lines. It goes like it's hypnotic, if not meditative. Yeah, yeah, hypnotic. 
Um, yeah, and in terms of like what we've seen, it's like the furthest musical steps from the original. It definitely feels very different, and probably, yeah, looking at my notes, I think it's going to remain that way. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's about as far out as we get, and I, th- I think it's cool, because I think it's still, even despite being like vastly musically different, still kind of touches on some of the same points of the original in terms of like the feeling it provides yeah it's always nice when you can like describe something similar but say like oh but it sounds completely different yeah it's like when two people tell the same story right yeah. hey man maybe that's what covers are man it's just like just people, telling, people the telling the same story, same story man. but like in different ways man um let's talk about a very strange story though yeah a story of a band who became a different band and then a guy from that band left to go back and be this band and then left that band again later but oh boy Let's talk about L.A. Guns. Yeah, I saw a lot of drama with this band. I mean, number one thing, I, I didn't look at the specifics really, but number one thing about L.A. Guns, for a brief period, Axl Rose was their singer. Then he left to form Guns N' Roses. Okay, is that what I thought Axl Rose was part of a different band, and then L.A. Guns and his band, something like Butthole Roses, came <laughs> together to form Guns N' Roses. Um, I, I, if you read details, you know more than me. Shout I out to me. It, and Here I is thought the, the he formation was just in the band history. for a bit and then left. In 1984, this is just straight Wikipedia read, people, so... Yep. Here's the content. Hollywood Rose member Izzy Stradlin was living with L.A. Guns member Tracy Guns. When L.A. Guns needed a new vocalist, Stradlin suggested Hollywood Rose singer Axl Rode. Months later, Guns N' Roses was formed. So it's possible he did some shows with L.A. Guns. Oh, so he wasn't a member of... He never Mm -hmm. was in L.A. Guns? Um, It's possible it was like brief, if anything, and then they just decided to form Guns N' Roses. Because that's Axl Rose from Hollywood Rose, L.A. Guns, Tracy Guns, Guns and Rose come together, Guns N' Roses. Like it's okay. so yeah they they're important in the history of Guns N' Roses. And that's um, about the only reason they're important. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was wild that I was like, I didn't know there was would. some dude named Tracy Guns in Guns N' Roses, and it's like he left pretty soon. Like he's not part of the classic uh, uh, or like the the most acknowledged Guns N' Roses lineup. Yeah, and there's some other stuff about the about L.A. Guns, where, like, there were two versions of the band going at the same time. Oh, my God. For a while, which is always fun. And, yeah. uh... And it's, a, like, it's a rotating yeah. cast of other dudes in the, the hard rock community. Um, so there's... They had the former girl singer Phil Lewis there, um, the bassist from Faster Pussycat, the drummer from Wasp, uh, and then they, they've kind of shifted in and out. Nikki Six did not join them, but... Tracy Guns left to join Nikki Six's supergroup Brides of Destruction in 2002. Um, so we're talking about them in 2004. This is Ellie Guns 2004. So Tracy Guns is not part of this at this moment, I think. <laughs> well, I guess that's the other thing. So there's two, there's a Phil Lewis LA Guns from 2002 to 2012, and there's a Tracy Guns LA Guns from 2006. Yeah, I guess there's only one at the time. Okay, cool. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm seeing that here in the uh, in the notes. All right. So this is the Phil Lewis L.A. Guns. Okay. Because they were the only ones that would have existed at the time. That's right. 
Phenomenal. Um, so this is, and this is, we talked about these. So they got history. Before. But quite frankly, I don't like this cover very much. It sucks. It sucks a lot. Yeah. It's also like not very metal at all. Like it's not no. exciting. That's, um, that's you can kind of hear the right? glam metal, but there's also like a bit of country, but they just kind of play it very soft. They play it very soft. It sounds tired is what I felt. It's just like they didn't. It's like one guy was like, we, we should play Hurdy Gurdy Man. I love that song. And they're like, and they're fine. Like, yeah, fine. And they, they're like, could we do something cool and metal with this? They're like, well, let's just kind of play it through and see what we do. And then they didn't do it. What it sounds like to me is like you play this song later in a concert kind of thing, just like get people waving their hands a bit. And like oh, maybe yeah. you need a bit of a break because you don't want to do. Yeah, like know. the guitarist just did a fucking like finger bleeding solo. So let him yeah. play some open chords for a bit. Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it does sound like concert fodder rather than uh, studio material. Something to just burn a little space, burn a little time. Um, we talked about so many covers like this where it's like hard rock act takes on an old 60s classic and it sounds like turds. Like Styx does it a lot in that, on their cover yeah. album. Except I respect Styx a little more than LA Guns. Yes, for sure. Um, and I, I think that's fair. LA Guns seems like it's uh, it served its use. When it formed Guns N' Roses. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, there's not... I mean, they do a little bit of modulation. Everyone's got to have a little bit of modulation yeah. just to kind of reference that. Um, and there's some distorted guitars, but they're not really played in a heavy way. No. Uh, which I guess is true of the original as well, but, like, it doesn't sound tired in the original, so it kind of doesn't really work. Yeah, and you're, you're putting hard rockers on this. Like, punch that chorus give me the yeah. full give me the full fucking hair metal approach I don't yeah care. and the vocals don't really do anything no like almost like i was expecting them to do something you know yeah but they just kind of stay flat and even the whole time put some screaming it put some growling it put give me give me a little edge yeah for like, just a little bit just a little bit i don't need a lot like it doesn't need to be full no, on it's, it's it, just it like it can be a subtle song yeah give me something yeah uh but they give us nothing it's very boring uh, it plays very close to the original, and it's like, yeah, there's some modulation. They double vocal tracks on the chorus or whatever. It's who fucking cares is what happens. It <laughs> ends, and we're all thankful to move on. To, so we move on to the Wild Colonials. 2007. <laughs> Uh, this is another like '90s alt rock band, um, yeah. but this is '07, so past their fucking it's prime, past the brother. '90s. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting because they do have a violin player, so like mm. there's parts that I thought was a guitar at first, but it becomes evident later on that's actually a violin playing, which makes sense why they can be kind of so smooth between notes okay. in some ways. I missed the violin. It's like an electric violin. So in particular. They also, uh, the other, the, there's a brief period where the violin does like pizzicato. So if you go to like 132, uh, which is at the end of the second verse. Yeah. That might be a guitar now that I'm, think, now that I'm listening to it again. I honestly, um, it sounds guitarish. But it's picked. But they do have a violin player. I can tell you that. Oh, which it's, is, it's right after that. That, that guitar comes in first, then like 134, 135 on the right speaker. I think that's the violin. 
Yeah, that does sound like that, eh? And it almost sounds like, uh, over and over, crimson and clover. It sounds like the melody it's picking. A little bit of crimson and clover, eh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so that, yeah, it's all rock with an electric violin thrown in. Yeah. A little bit interesting, and they go pretty hard with the energy right off the bat. Yeah, lay, they lay off a bit, but the intro is pretty cool. I guess I mean, like, heavy bass drums. Mm-hmm. And like some good, like very wide, um, electric guitar. Yeah, and that kind of like screeching. There's a lot of that, like noisy stuff in here. That background noise sounds like it was lifted straight from the Daft Punk remix of "Take Me Out." <laughs> With a little bit too overdriven, right? Yeah, just, not just too overdriven. But and, and, like it sounds better here, but it's that same like yeah. wall of like background noise. Yeah. With uh, they, they seem to use a fair amount of feedback, and even. We get a little bit of, like, I guess twang, but also, like, kind of screechiness from the vocals, but it's, like, on purpose. Yeah. So if you go to, like, the one-minute mark, the 150 mark, I have timestamps for this one. I got timestamps. Um, I love... And, and they yeah. do a pretty good job of the quiet verse loud chorus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's plain. She's a good singer. She sounds good. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Yeah, lots of that sort of interesting enunciation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really chewing it up. So I enjoyed this one. This was a, it was a good performance from them. And yeah, and like, it's, too. it's not fucking crazy. Again, like, none of these are really crazy. No. But, like, comparing this to L.A. Guns, coming off of L.A. Guns to this, you're like, well, thank God somebody tried to do something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In, like, kind of like a rockish, more modern context. And that's all L.A. Guns had to do was, like, instead of this, this like, kind of noise rock composition, just do some fucking hard guitar, some jujujun, Yeah, something, like, a bit interesting. Yeah, and then you would have had something that, that works. Because, yeah, I think this version's pretty fun. And, all the, yeah, all they did was, like, kind of made it their own all they did was took someone else's work and made it their own yeah i get like kind Simple, of, it's right? a small shift because it's all rock and like yeah they're just using it, the violin yeah. to drone a bit instead of other things yeah yeah good but drone effect they got some twang in there they got some twang yeah. in there and they keep some drum rolls in there and some noise and some noise it's some noise. Yeah. Tight little version. Good it's not going to win awards it. for being super original, but yeah, it sounds nice. I, I give it my award for originality. Not just Hell that. yeah. <laughs> the Alex Award for Originality. A rare treat. Only given out once today, here and now. Only given out once ever. Ever. It probably won't be given out again. But we're going to be giving out some awards to the band with most people from Louisville. <laughs> this next cover, which oh, is so An- many people. Antietam, Catherine Irwin, Will Oldham, Terry O'Bannon, and Anna Krippenstapel. Forgot to look up the last two people. Twenty twenty one. Here's what I can uh, tell you about Terry O'Bannon. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Here's what I can tell you about Anna Krippenstapel. She is from Louisville. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, they're hard to find some people. But there is a band, and I believe it's pronounced Antitam. Antitam? Yeah. Because it's, it's the name of, like, a place. Ah. Should have uh, called themselves fucking Louisville. Should have called themselves the Louisville Sluggers, because they're all from fucking Louisville. 
Yeah, so I mean, we know where they met, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're a band. Apparently, they were formed back in like the 80s. Yeah, 85 um, to 95 was their big period. Then yeah. they broke up and came back together in 2004. But mostly based around a husband and wife duo of Tara Key and Tim Harris. Um, okay, yeah. And Catherine Irwin is an alt-country artist. That's right. Also allegedly a founding member of the band Freakwater, which I have not uh, heard of or I'm not familiar with, but also allegedly sings unpretentiously. So, way to go. Yeah, what does that mean? Um, I guess obvious. compared to Will Oldham, who is an enigmatic singer-songwriter, yeah. maybe he sings pretentiously. I mean, it's was been described as an Appalachian post-punk solipsist. So maybe that is pretentious. That does sound pretentious. Although he didn't describe himself as that, so. He had his friend, like, read it off a card, and he's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I guess he described read. me as that. Uh-huh, wow. Um, so it's a lot of people, and in particular, a lot of vocalists. A lot of vocalists. And that's really what this version that's is. That's their hook, Is yeah. a lot of people singing this song. And I mean, it has an identity, I'll give it that. For sure, yeah. It's just getting a bunch of singers together and playing what is, you know, a fairly simple song in a lot of ways. Uh, but they're just singing parts and they sort of weave in between each other, uh, sing different parts, different people come in. There seems to be one voice that is constant. I, th- I don't know. Yeah, I can tell you. I assumed it was Tara Key because Antietam is top billing. That's, yeah, I That's suppose so. That's the only so. reason. Yeah, this song is uh, a lot of vocals. Like the uh, the the backing instruments are what you'd expect. It's a, like a tamer version of the original. You get some drum roll transitions, but the drums don't go as wild. You get the big guitar chords, um, the and real enunciation on hurdy gurdy on this. Very choir like, very proper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they but they don't they don't like change things very much other than that. Like the actual music track stays pretty close to the original they have a yeah. apart um it's really based around that vocal thing uh honestly yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm i question if they even needed the guitar solo yeah they should probably should have just fine. done something it's with the fine. instruments um i mean with their vocals not their, their instruments voice, which is yeah, their voices their instruments. That's, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is definitely like the sound very much feels like a group of traveling minstrels kind of thing. The original was supposed to be like this idea of a traveling minstrel. Right. I think they evoke that pretty well. Right. So the message has traveled and now it's more people are, are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this is what I would expect more to hear at like a Ren Fair than anything. Than a single hurdy things, But yeah. It's shocking that there's no hurdy gurdy covers of this. Yeah. I'm surprised there's no hurdy gurdies. In any of these covers, I'm sure there are some. There's got some dude on a hurdy gurdy featuring this song. a legitimate hurdy gurdy. I didn't find any when I was looking. Bizarre. So um, like that yeah. market's wide open. Wide open, folks. Submit your hurdy gurdy covers. Hashtag CoverMePod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise Guy on Twitter or yeah. email them to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, Alex, the big change on this one, the big thing they do is they sing the George Harrison verse. I forgot about that. They do sing the George Harrison verse. While the other people are doing the, the post-chorus, the hurdy-gurdy, hurdy-gurdy, hurdy-gurdy Yeah, they sang. stick it in the end. You get the high voice um, singing the George Harrison verse. So they don't make it, I mean, theirs is almost four minutes long, so they don't make it to the yes. three-minute mark, but not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, this one's of, just like, all right. Worried, so. 
It's kind of buried. Um, yeah, it's got its own sound, but it's not the most interesting thing. If I compare it, I'm just more interested in, say, what the Wild Colonials did. Yeah, I'm more interested in uh, what L.A. Guns is up to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not definitely not more interested in L.A. Guns. <laughs> definitely not more interested in L.A. Guns. Um, but that does it. That does it for the songs we're talking about today. So that means it's time for our final verdicts. We got three categories today. We got the worst version. We got the best version. And the version that would be easiest to play on a hurdy-gurdy. Okay. Alex? Okay. I mean... What's the worst version? I think the worst version was pretty obvious when we were talking about it. Uh, It's it's, L.A. Guns. It's L.A. Guns. It's not a very well-made version. It would be an okay distraction if it was in a live show. Yeah. Um, and it's a parlor understandable track. if it was like, yeah, we need a breather. But the fact that I am hearing it now is um, very strange. Yeah, it's trash. It's trash version. LA Guns do better. Um, Alex, what's the best version? The best version. I did like a couple of them, you know? Um, and I'm having trouble uh, singling one out. Mm. I think for now, I'm going to say Wild Colonials was my favorite. I thought they had a cool sound. I thought they had some cool sounds on it. I mean, there are a lot of cool sounds in a lot of them. That's why this is so difficult. Right. Um, But I kind of liked their, uh, I'm going to say sounds again, but also like their singer, the way the um, lyrics were delivered. I liked the vocal performance, Um, whereas a lot of them don't really have that so much. Right. Necessarily. Although now that I'm thinking about them, the ones that were good, I did comment on how the vocals were interesting. Eartha Kit, cool vocals. Butthole Surfers, cool vocal effects. Color Filter, interesting. But they all did have that. But I'm still going with Wild Colonials because I already said that. Yeah, I know. I think uh, I think it was clear to me before you even knew that you were going to pick Wild Colonials. Um, I'm going to go with Color Filter because I think in terms of just like music, like sonically removing themselves from the original, every other version, except for Car Thief by Beastie Boys, <laughs> is just like, is very yeah, close, close, very by the book. Um, Color Filter really takes the moves to go, let's go out of the realm of guitars even. Like, let's, let's remove guitars and just do weird synth stuff. Yeah. And they do it and it makes for a, a version that carries some vibe of the original, but sounds completely different. So... Color filter. It's got to take it. Um, Alex, what's the, the hurdy-gurdiest version? You're, you got a hurdy-gurdy. You're, <laughs> the hurdiest-gurdiest version of them all. I'm going to say... I'm going to say the butthole surfers. And the reason I say that, I know they have a lot of sounds in it, but if you get enough sort of cacophony with the hurdy-gurdy, I think you can kind of ignore the fact that you're missing things because it's very, it's all blending together. Right, the general noise will... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and okay. in addition to that, the vocal work, I think, mostly comes from, like, effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to worry about that side of it, so you can kind of focus on doing your hurdy-gurdy thing. Right, there's things you can do in post or, yeah, like through an amp or through pedals. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's the butthole surfers. That's a solid choice, Alex, and it may be the right choice. But me, I'm going with Car Thief by Beastie Boys. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm also going to go with butthole surfers. I think you're right. That's the easiest to, to tuck in a hurdy-gurdy in and be like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty much the same song. Everybody's like, no, it's not. You're like, eh, listen closer. 
That's our final verdicts. You got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk about a version we didn't talk about? Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us recommendations for future episodes. Send us uh, covers we missed that you want us to talk about, because that's going to be coming up in the future, so you don't want to miss out on that. You don't want us to miss a cover twice. Can you imagine? My God. And be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends to tell their friends. Do Use the whole series of social connections. You're six you know, separations away from Kevin Bacon. So if we can get you to get Kevin Bacon to listen to us, we're going somewhere. That does it for today's episode of Cover Me. As we always say on Cover Me, Cover me, cover, cover me, cover, cover me, cover me, sing.